Welcome to the Novice No Longer Podcast, episode 11. Coming up on the show, how do you find a business to consumer idea that can grow over $800,000 in revenue in just three years? I talked to Brian, the founder and CEO of Proofreading Pal, about how he got his business started. But first, I want to tell you about the podcast sponsor, Planet 1107. Now, I hesitated to take sponsors on this show, but I really wanted to share this one with you because this is actually my personal developer. This is who developed my two apps. So I want to thank them for sponsoring the show, and they're based in Croatia. And if you have an idea for a mobile application, but you don't know where to turn, you can contact Planet 1107. They'll accept clients that have any sort of background or any amount of knowledge. So if you know nothing, you can still contact them and they can take on your project even if you don't have a full wireframe built yet, which is pretty crazy. Um, They're based in Croatia, but they speak perfect English and For all of the work that they do, you own all of the source code, which is very, very important. They don't retain any of that. And they will also submit it to the App Store for you for free. And there is zero charge for fixing any bugs. And that's because they stand by the product. If you're gonna buy something from them, you're gonna get a working product. Now, I've worked out a deal with them for my listeners. If you mention the Novice No Longer podcast, you will save 10% off your entire order. That really adds up. Prices are already low to begin with because they charge only $40 an hour for development work. So I highly recommend them. Visit the website at planet1107.net and get a free quote. And don't forget to mention Novice No Longer and you will get 10% off. Before we jump into the podcast, I want to talk about the distinction between successful entrepreneurs and the people that want to be entrepreneurs, but they just can't seem to get anything to stick. And the difference between those two groups of people is simple. It's ideas. Now, I'm not saying that successful entrepreneurs are the ones that have ideas. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Successful entrepreneurs are the ones who do not have ideas. Instead, successful entrepreneurs are the problem hunters. They find areas where people are struggling and they help people overcome their issues. They are expert problem solvers. They are not the people that have the ideas. If you want to have a successful product, let the people that are having the issues give you the idea. Talk to them, learn about their issues, find out what they wish they could do. When you do this, you know that you already have a market. You're not trying to prove that your idea works. Instead, you're building something because there is a need. Become a master problem solver and you won't be able to fail. My guest today created Proofreading Pal, a service that proofreads papers and can deliver very quick turnarounds. Brian, who founded the company, was experienced with AdWords and he was able to use those skills to find the niche in which to build his business and immediately get people to use his site. He is not an editor himself, nor is he a writer. Simply put, he is a problem solver, and now he has a rapidly growing business. So if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, all you have to do is solve people's problems. All right, enough of my talking. This is a fantastic interview, and I want to get into it. I know that you will learn a lot. Here is Brian with Proofreading Pal. Hey, 
Hey everyone, my name is Dan and you're listening to the Novice No Longer podcast. My guest today is the founder and CEO of Proofreading Pal, which provides a variety of editing services to students, businesses, and individuals. Uh, in just three years, Brian has grown his company from just him and four contractors to over 30 proofreaders and five in-house employees. And this year, they're looking at over $800,000 in revenue. So Brian, thank you and uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. And actually, we we actually now have over 55 contract proofreaders. And um, we have, uh, if you count myself, we have four full time and two part time employees. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I guess you could say four full time and three part time employees. So we've uh, we have been we have been growing uh, year in and year out. Well, Last year we grew at about forty-five to fifty percent, um, and this year it's it's still early, but we we certainly had growth this last January versus the January before. Um, so you're just growing month over month. Yeah, well, what I like to look at it certainly not month over month because there is some seasonality in the proofreading business. Mm-hmm. But what we look at is the same month previous year. So yeah, um, yeah we have yet to have a uh, slowdown in that regard. So like I said, you've been uh, doing this for about three years, right? Is this going into your fourth year? Um, well, actually, we're coming up. We launched uh, May of 2010, mm-hmm. and so this uh, May will be wrap, we'll wrap up our fourth year in business. So, yeah, we're, we're over three and a half years old right now. Awesome. Okay, so I wanted to kind of dive into what you were doing before proofreading, pal. So, well, I've, I've, yep. I've been an entrepreneur ever since I've uh, been in college. I've always wanted to own my own business. I, uh, in college, I, my junior year, I started a business called GameRosters.com um, when I was – I would have been like 22 years old. And uh, that's a – it provides a product for the video game NCAA football. And um, that really took off that summer. And then I just did that full-time right out of college – um, that would have been back in 2004, 2005, um, and built websites for people on the side. And really, the, that game rosters business, uh, within a couple of years, it was doing close to 200,000 in, in revenues. Um, and it was really only busy about three months out of the year. So, out of my, it was very seasonal, it was great. And then, that's out a good of, position to be in. <laughs> yeah. And then on the side, I would build websites for people, and, and that. Yeah, I did okay at that. I just didn't like it. I just it's too much back and forth. It wasn't it's too much too many variables with each individual customer. I didn't see I couldn't scale it the way I wanted to. So I started to think of other ideas uh that would kind of similar to game rosters where product could be product or service could be sold online. Um and uh the business was primarily advertised online as well. And it took a while. Uh, I tried video game controllers. I tried to leverage my customer base from game rosters, and I was getting from China, and the quality was just bad. And I was trying to compete on price there, and it just it was discountcontrollers.com, and I only tried that for about a year, and that it just didn't happen. Um, and then my wife was getting her master's degree at the time, and I had been outsourcing a lot of my web development projects to odesk so i just kind of project manage and my developers were overseas we went on odesk because she wanted to have her thesis proofread so we went on odesk to find a proofreader we found a professor down in tennessee who proofread her paper and that's when the idea kind of 
hit me that, you know, there's lots of people out there, not just students, but businesses, authors, resumes, cover letters, uh, all of those things, you know, people will pay to have those proofread. Mm -hmm. And that's really, uh, where the idea was born. Um, and it, it, it was kind of out of necessity because I, I knew I needed to get another business going because proofreading had kind of plateaued. Um, I didn't want to build websites for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's how the idea originally uh, came about. Okay. Um, so did you outsource the, the first version of the application? Or you said that you were a web developer. At that point, were you mostly just project managing and then finding people to build it, the site for you? Yeah, I mean, I was I I was a web developer, but I wasn't actually doing any development. Okay. I okay. I had my my I had a programmer in Bangladesh who I worked with for a while. He actually came to the states and visited once. Um, and so, yeah, when I first got the idea, I had him build out the site, and we built out the front end just kind of off of what we looked at some what some other proofreading services were doing. Um, and then the back end was kind of just very, was extremely, um, simple. It wasn't near where it needed to be. And then the project just kind of sat for a while because, uh, I just didn't, it was going to take a lot more money to, to get it off the ground in the way I wanted to get it off the ground than I was willing to risk myself. Um, so it kind of sat there and then I, I was looking for an investor um, cause really we wanted to get it off the ground where right off out of the gates, we were already differentiating yeah, um, get the ground running with it <clears throat> from a lot of our customers, other, our competitors. And so, <clears throat> um, yeah, it just, it kind of sat there, but the way we, when we did launch, uh, finally, we, we just use outsource pro- contract proofreaders. Now they're not overseas. They're all native English speaking we were able to send an email out through the University of Iowa English department and attract. That's how we got like our first core group of six mm-hmm. and, there, and a newspaper wrote an article on us. Um, and then as we grew where, you know, in the first year I was doing everything outside of the proofreading, um, answering the phones, chats, every, basically anything hiring the new contract proofreaders. It got to a point where there was just times where, and then we're trying to advertise 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. customer service every single day. Mm-hmm. So, like, basically, for the first year and a half, year and a half, two years, I literally worked 90 to 100 hours a week uh, for two straight years. Um, and I, I mean, it, and then the next, it's still, we, I work a lot, uh, but we've got a lot of systems in place mm-hmm. so that. I don't have to be there until 10 at night or I don't have to be there every Saturday morning, Sunday morning. Um, but when we, when we first started hiring employees, we, we made the decision to make sure that they can proofread. So our, they, and they, they act as emergency proofreaders. So oh, our, right. our in-house employees, they, uh, a lot of them have graduated from the Iowa writers workshop, which is the most prestigious, uh, one of the most prestigious writing schools in the country. And, uh, and then we also have some other PhDs They're you know, they're, they're, uh, what is, they're not associate professors, but they're like, they teach a few, they teach one class at Iowa every semester and then they're working on their dissertation and they have a lot of time. 
So we hire those folks. They all, they have to pass the proofreading test first, um, and they have to be able to have decent customer service skills. But that really helps because there's just times where the outsourced proofreaders they just don't pick the projects up. Or yeah. They get flooded with too much. Yeah. And so then they can double and uh, help us when we need extra help. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to when you first had your idea, and there there has to be some other uh, services that are on the market. And one of the things that you said was that your goal was to launch out of the gate uh, being uh, with a differentiator from the competition. So what did the competition landscape look like, and how did you know that you could move forward with an idea that would be viable uh, amid the competition? <clears throat> well, there were some competitors, and, and I liked that because then I knew there was a proven service out there. And you know, some of these competitors had 200-plus contract proofreaders. Um, so what we looked at, what I wanted to do is I did not want to get into the habit of competing on price. Uh, I wasn't going to come in and try to be cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one thing that we did, uh, we hired a, I hired a consultant right after I had the idea too. She actually came on board before the idea sat for about a year. So okay. she <clears throat> convinced me to use two proofreaders, which is really great because it's higher quality. It also allows us to bring in new proofreaders and, and not be so afraid they're going to screw everything up because we still have a veteran second proofreader looking over their shoulder. Yeah. Um, it's also a way to identify talent. So we can tell which proofreaders are good and they can eventually move into second proofreader role and second proofers make more money, uh, cause the grunt work's been done for them. Yeah. So one of the things we decided to proofreaders, which we were one of the very few, uh, proofreading services that does that. Uh, the other was turnaround speed. Hardly any, uh, hardly any, I mean, less than 33% offer faster than 24 hour turnaround then you get down to 10 hour and six hour and now you're maybe less than 10 percent of the competitors then you get down to three hour and 90 minute and you're down to maybe like five percent so we wanted to offer faster turnaround speeds than most folks Mm -hmm. um and then we wanted a very simple easy upfront checkout process um which some some websites are a little more complicated. Um, and keep in mind, we're not just competing against proofreaders or proofreading companies. We're also competing against other freelancers. So we had to different, we have to differentiate from them as well. Um, and then finally was the availability. We can, we want to be 24 seven, at least accept and proofread 24 seven and then have live customer service at 8 AM to 10 PM. And someday I want to offer 24 seven customer service as well. Um, so those were really the things that we looked at and we didn't have all of those like we have now, but out of the gates, we were pretty close. We offered as fast as six hour turnaround, I believe out of the gates, but we only offered that in from, uh, eight to five. Um, we had live customer service. We advertised every day, 8 AM to 10 PM, which we still have that today. Um, but the difference is now we have, we offer three hour and longer turnaround 24 seven. And then we also have 90 minute turnaround, which we offer that from 7am to 9pm every day. Now launching with a six hour turnaround is it, that can be kind of terrifying because so many things can go wrong between when a user places the order and the, the editing process is not instantaneous. You actually have to have somebody look over it and then get it back to them. 
how did you set up a system where you could guarantee that any time something came in, it could have a, a six-hour turnaround when it launched? Well, we have word count stipulations. Okay. So first of all, we're not going to get swamped with a huge document that we can't handle. It was just like seriously – we, we, we had hour limits too. So six hour, you know, it, it would, we wouldn't accept those outside of, uh, eight to five okay. at the very okay. beginning. Yeah. Um, but then they could bump up to 10 hour and that could pose a problem too, because they could submit a 4,000 word, 10 hour at nine at night. And then it'd have to be back at seven in the morning the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was really, I had a, my, well, the phone wouldn't ring at the office. It would also ring my cell phone. Um, I had a lot of, if I was at home, I had a lot of remote desktoping into the office, uh, email system is <clears throat> basically just being on call myself all the time. And then when we only had six and then we grew to 10 contract proofreaders, it was, uh, you know, literally begging them to pick up a project if it, if it needed to. And there'd be times where we're up till two, three in the morning, um, you know, making sure that this project got done for this customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just really, it was just working very, very, very hard. Uh, it's the easiest way to put yeah. it. So you had mentioned that the first version of your website was kind of uh, the CMS, the back end was very basic. What exactly did that look like? When somebody submitted an article to you, did that come emailed to you and then you had to keep track of it manually or did you have a system in place? What did your very first version look like? Well, we didn't launch until we had some of it systemized, uh, the back end. And that was after we got the, uh, some investment money. Um, and a lot of it's still the same. It's just got so many more bells and whistles. Uh, back then they would, the project comes in, it would just say it's waiting for proofreader. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the first proofreader accepts it, would do it. And then they'd upload it and then it'd be waiting for second proofreader. And basically if anything went wrong, Right, that we didn't have any controls ourselves. So if we had to swap out the document, the customer submitted the wrong document. We, I had to get in with my web developer. Then it all have to go to email. Like we'd have to ditch the system, email, and then my web developer would have to go in and fix the price and all that. The uh, if the, the the customer said it was five hundred words and it was actually a thousand, you know, we didn't have any systems to to track all that. Um, yeah we didn't know when the first proofreader would be done with it. So we didn't have time estimates. Now the proofreaders, they leave time estimates. Um, there, I mean, it was just a very basic system that, uh, facilitated the project being completed. If everything about that project went perfect. Mm -hmm. And so what we've done in the last four years is we've really evolved that system to where so many things can be done by the customer service agent. Now, the proofreaders themselves actually can report word count discrepancies. Um, we have feedback where the second proofreader leaves the first proofreader feedback. Uh, then we can tr- we keep stats on all of our proofreaders so we know you know how much they're working and uh, it's just yeah it's way more complex. But the the basic premise of the project coming in the system, the proofreader seeing it, seeing the word count, seeing the writing style. Like if they want APA. We make sure it adheres to APA writing style. Um, all that was there at launch. It's just uh, grown a lot. Yeah, so all these little tweaks and everything, they were things that you observed as 
you were using the service over the years and you, you found the need and that's what you decided to build on. You're right. Yep. We, 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 uh, yeah, it's just, you know, we, you can't wait until all lights are green before you go on your trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just putting out fires. And right now where we're at, we've got a long, more long list of things that I'd like to see added and in, implemented, uh, going forward. So it's a never ending process of, of systems improvements. Yeah. So now I want to talk a little bit about getting your first customers because it's one thing to build a product, uh, something that works and something that you're happy with and getting it out there. And it's another thing to actually get traffic to your website and get people to purchase your service. What did you do when you launched in order to get those first customers? Well, I, I had a pretty, uh, I have a pretty advanced background in Google AdWords advertising because of my game rosters business. And so really we just started a Google AdWords campaign and advertised on keywords that I thought people would be searching for. Um, and then we did Bing and Yahoo. Um, and really out of the gates, that's all we did was search advertising. And then we obviously were trying to search engine optimize our website, but it, it doesn't happen overnight. So you said you had a background in AdWords. How did you, you just got that from trial and error through uh, game rosters or was there any resources or how, how does, how did you get into that? Because that's a a very interesting world that I think a lot of people are, uh, don't really know much about. Well, I, it started when I was an intern, uh, like the first two years I was an intern for a company in Ames, Iowa. It's called demonstratives dot com and they do litigation animation um and so this was right when maybe google was just starting to create their adwords platform so most of my my first ever training was on the yahoo platform and just learning uh learning um on my own and then reading uh, things and then i went to a conference in atlanta like in 2008 and there was pretty in depth about Google AdWords, um, and so yeah, just doing doing managing AdWords campaigns for other companies too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just learned a lot on my own about it, um, and, and it's if you like, it's not easy. It's gotten way more competitive now now than it was five ten years ago. So you know, people can come onto AdWords if they don't know what they're doing. They're going to lose a lot of money. Uh, so I don't know. I would recommend hire a company if if you uh, have never done it before. Yeah. Now, who did you think your first customers were at the very beginning, and how did you target them using the ads? Well, we just thought there'd be people online searching for proofreading service, proofreading services, editing service, uh, essay, resume, proofreading. But we, we figured the large percentage of our customers would be uh, undergraduate just because it's such a huge – by far that's the most – that's the biggest demographic of students is undergraduate college students. And it turned out they're just – a lot of them just aren't going to pay to have their paper proofer. They don't care enough. Yeah. So we it's really graduate students um, and, I mean, graduate students but also businesses – uh, also, but we don't target one or the other. We let we just target keywords um, mm-hmm. that we think people might be searching for. 
Now, is there any certain keywords that like a graduate student would use versus another one, or is that kind of observations you've made by actually getting the customers and editing their work? Uh, we've observations we made by our by the type of work we're getting is how we know our largest customer segment. But yeah, yeah, I mean, graduate students might t- trend towards essay proofreading service or, you know, research paper proofreading service, that sort of keyword. Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, you know, an advertising agency or a business isn't going to be searching for essay proofreading service. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the, the most important thing about AdWords that I want to say here too is the overall, like the really broad abstract goal of AdWords is that you know what your conversion rate is and what your average sale is. And using those numbers, you can spend less than that on AdWords and bring in users and then kind of have a revenue generating machine kind of, although it's obviously not that easy. Um, But how did you know how much to spend on AdWords at the beginning when you were just kind of kicking it off? Or did you just kind of experiment with different amounts and and do it that way? Um. Well, I wanted to spend as much as necessary to build the business up to the to where we were competent in those main areas of differentiation. So I didn't really care. I mean, I had a, I did care, but I, I had a uh, a limited amount of funds. But we, you know, there's no magic number. Um, we kind of just went into it and started. And I wanted to rank towards the top as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of just looked and we'd wait, you know, the first month we'd go like we might get one sale every couple of days. Uh, and so like the first, maybe the first three months we might spend, we might've spent 9,000 on, on, uh, AdWords and we might've only brought in 2000 in sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not something that you can go into thinking you're going to get a return on your investment right away. I mean, in our industry, certainly not. In a lot of industries, it's probably going to be the same. Um, but we, we also focus on if, if you're competing on price, too, good luck, because you're, you're just not going to get enough rev, uh, margin out of the sale to warrant Google ads. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not delivering a, a product or service that's going to uh, encourage that people are going to be happy enough with to come back again or tell their friends and family about. Um, so there's a lot of different factors that mm-hmm. go into, and so we knew that we're delivering a high quality product. So there's a good chance that that lifetime value of the customer is going to be greater. So even if we only made 2000 in that first three months, we could shut Google ads off altogether and probably make another 2000 over the next three months. Mm-hmm just off the little file. Yeah. And the word of mouth. So, um, there wasn't any magic formula right away that we, we used. Now, when you spent that theoretical $9,000 and then got the return of about 2000 in orders, what sort of things do you look at? Do you look at, okay, well, where are they getting lost? What are your landing pages like? Well, what do you look at to try to fix that? Or is that just kind of like, okay, well, that's how it is right now, and it'll get better? <clears throat> oh, well, the, we, I don't do a whole lot of testing. Uh, we, we just uh, 
I mean, I don't do a whole lot of testing of, you know, this page with this button, this color versus this way. I, I, I don't do a lot of that. We just look at the keywords that are generating sales. We have Google Analytics, of course, um, and we're looking at, at the keywords that are generating sales. We're looking at the conversion rate on those. So analytics is hooked into our shopping cart. So we're looking at conversion rate. We're looking at average cost per conversion. So if it's costing us, you know, 60 bucks to convert a customer versus 110, uh, we're, you know, we look at those things, not saying we're going to rule out the $110 one. Um, but then the negative keywords too, we, for instance, we had just proofreading broad match. That means people can type in all sorts of different things and we'd show up for proofreading still. So they could type in proofreading jobs. They could type in uh, free proofreading. They could type in proofreading tests. And so a lot of it's just eliminating those clicks through negative keywords, um, cheap proofreading. Uh, so that's a, what most of my time is spent doing still today is looking at all like i'll look at our last six months of click data and eliminate these keywords that either they're just like or something that is proofreading related like proofreading software Mm -hmm. you know that's someone who's obviously got a need for proofreading um but that one converted where we're spending like five hundred dollars for every conversion Mm, yeah yeah so like something like that we would eliminate we just add software as a negative campaign keyword and anytime software is attached to a key phrase we don't show up mm-hmm. yeah that makes it much better so when what, what are some of the challenges with growing with advertising like i think what i want to know is is your budget for advertising grow the bigger that you get or do you just kind of hone down on the keywords then you can kind of keep the same budget to play with but the the customers coming in are spending more like how how does it expand as you grow well uh, we're trying to kind of do that now um, we're trying to kind of use we I project the months uh, I project what we'll do this month in sales which is always you know it's a projection and then we'll try to keep our advertising within 10 to 15 percent of that um, and that's kind of how we're doing it now um, it's always a question like it's always a question to know when you've kind of reached that point where just the amount of repeat business and word of mouth is, is rolling enough that you could maybe even just lower your advertising even more. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we're there yet. Uh, and that's always, you know, a question we could try it. We could try to shut off advertising or cut it way down for two months and see what would happen. Um, but we try, I mean, it just, we have to look at the whole picture of what our financials are and, and then we have to make a decision on, uh, you know, how much are we willing to spend on advertising still? Because we do know that's still a very useful way uh, to get new customers. Um, and we, we're trying to make it more efficient. We're always trying to make it more efficient. Um, uh, and so we know... We just have to keep watching it. Yeah. So changing the topic a little bit, I want to mention that I listened to an interview of yours around the uh, beginning time of proofreading, pal. One of the things that struck me and that was really important was that at the time you were making 
phone calls to every single person that placed an order as soon as their order was ready. And you also stress the importance of having an actual phone number on the website. So I want to talk to you a little bit about how you get feedback from users and how that's kind of changed over the years, because it's still a really important thing to do. Um, well, we've changed it. We're not calling them when they're document. We're not calling them right away when their document's done now. Um, we call them, though, if they are a new customer, and we have a system that lets us know if they're a brand-new, unique customer. And usually I think we're waiting 24 hours after their document email has gone out. And then we call them and we, uh, you know, first what we want to do is we want to remind them uh, of our key differentiators. Just remind them again, because a lot of people, they make an order with us. They didn't realize that they got two proofreaders. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they didn't even register. Um, Or, you know, oh, you you guys are available 24-7. So we just want to. First of all, remind them of our key differentiators, and then we have a series of questions. And oh, well, also make sure they got their document, mm-hmm. and make sure they that they were satisfied with the quality of the product and the service. Um, and if they're not, you know, that's a form of quality control that uh, we can, you know, then investigate. Um, and then we have our our questions, and really all we're well, all we're trying to do is find out how they found out about us. You know, a lot of it is. You know, that's how we know Google's working because it not only did, is it proven in the analytics, but it's also proven in the uh, feedback we get on the phone. But we get a lot. We're getting more and more friend, uh, professor. You know, they're finding out us out about us from other people. So that's a good sign that, that we're doing good and our, our, our word of mouth is positive. Um, then we ask why they need a proofreading service to begin with, and we – just you know there's all different reasons why people needed a proofreading service and then we ask if they have any other comments or suggestions for us mm-hmm. so that's that kind of gives us our ideas of new features and things to build mm-hmm. going forward um and so uh you know like one thing that we're working on right now that would also be a key differentiator is a re-proofreading so they've already had their document proofread once they made some changes based on our comments and suggestions they just want someone to look over it again mm-hmm. They don't want to pay the whole price again, though. Um, so we need us. We're working on developing a system to where that can make sense for the customer, and also where the proofreaders are compensated accordingly for the amount of work. Mm-hmm. And that's just one thing we've uncovered. There's, a, you know, there's lots of other things we uncover that not necessarily going to do. They, they want to pick the proofreader. They want to pick which proofreaders they get for the next time. And our model, you know, that's that's a little bit more difficult, right? Uh, now, if we could maybe implement that with some stipulations, like if it's, you know, if you choose for twenty-four hour turnaround or longer, mm-hmm. we'll we'll hold that project for that proofreader for so many hours, but we can't guarantee that they're going to be the one on it. Mm-hmm. Now, did you create a feedback system? For when you are getting, you're talking to the customer and you're asking them the questions about their experience and your differentiators and you're getting all that back. Is there like a system and do you review that every so often? Do you have a, a yeah. bar for taking care of it? Right now we just have an Excel document mm-hmm. and we just put, we have each response in one row and we put X's next to uh, you know when we get that same response. And I can look and I can see, okay, this is the most 
popular response, second most popular, so on and so on. Mm-hmm. Now, if someone wants to, I would say emulate your success, but that's so impossible. I would say if somebody has an idea for a website, like first you had with Game Rosters and they, you wanted to build something new and so you went to Proofreading Pal, uh, and finding a niche market and really using AdWords and stuff like that to drive traffic, what sort of advice would you give them, uh, especially in today's marketplace? Because like you said, it's a lot different than it was five years ago. Well, I another one of the things that I was looking for was important is something that cannot easily be outsourced overseas. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you, you write to, that it comes really it gets really hard to compete. Like if you're a graphic designer, it just that adds a whole new level of competition because there's literally people over there in India or uh, the Philippines uh, where they, you know, they can do graphic design for three, five bucks an hour. And that, and that's pretty good money that they're making in their own land. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the one, that was the other thing you can't, you can't outsource proofreading overseas and get good quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to be a native English speaker. Um, so we had that, so I would say one thing is, yeah, find something that's going to be at least more difficult to to get decent or high quality if it's outsourced overseas and find something that can be sold to the whole country or the whole world. Um, and, it, and it makes sense that, this, that the advertising of that product is, is primarily done on the Internet. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I like. Uh um, and then as far as it, it doesn't have to be a, you don't have to reinvent a wheel. Um, it, there's, you, you want an industry that's the demand's going to be there for a while. Um, but it, there can certainly already be individuals doing it. Uh, you just have to find some ways to differentiate. Uh, um, and that's kind of the way I would go about picking, picking your idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you can find some key differentiators, cause otherwise no one's going to, no one's going to use you, uh, just because you're, you know, if you, I mean, one differentiator, I don't think is enough. Mm-hmm. You got to find several. So otherwise, why would they use you when they can use this other service who's been in business for 10 years and has this many customers and they're in the better business bureau. They have this many positive reviews you got to really be a game changer with your product or service. Yeah, and I think one of the key things you said earlier that was really important is don't try to compete on price because if you build a premium product, people will want to pay for it. And really, that's how you build a company that will actually make money. Right, right. Okay, so one last question for you related to English, just because you are a proofreading pal. What is your opinion on the Oxford comma? Um... I don't have one. I don't proofread. Uh, you don't proofread? <laughs> you, no. you outsource that. Yeah, I don't. I'm not. I mean, I'm, I'm decent with spelling, grammar, punctuation, but I don't. Uh, I don't uh, proofread. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. All right. Thanks, Dan. Uh-huh. AdWords is such an interesting world, and I'm so glad that we got to dive into that in this interview. There's a lot of really great information in there. If you've enjoyed this, please log on to iTunes, give me a rating, give me a review. It really helps me out. And until next week, have a good one.